Well, good morning. Thought about doing my whole sermon in Spanish, but uh, you don't want that. You don't want that, um, and I don't want that either. I'm not well equipped. I, I want to thank Pastor Ken for coming and sharing every Spanish word he knows with us during announcements. Um, that was fun, but uh, it's good to be in this house. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you join us this morning. Pastor Dave, our senior pastor, is obviously not here. Uh, he's not over a big pond, but he's a long ways away by land from here, and we celebrate um, our relationship that we have with the Madre Tierra Church in Apopa, El Salvador, um, and trust that good things um, continue to happen at that church and will transpire because of the work that he's doing um, to to create a connection, to maintain, uh, and to continue the connection uh, that we have with that church. And so um, it's good to, good to be here. Thanks to the worship team. Aren't the words of that last song just powerful? I want to sit at your feet. I want to lay back against you, God. Um, yeah, it's just powerful. So thank you, Art, and thanks to the, to the worship team. I appreciate your ministry. Today, uh, as we turn to Scripture, we're continuing the series, the Urgent Messages series that Dave is we're taking us through. He's invited me to, to share a bit from uh, the next passage. So I invite you to turn your Bibles, if you brought them with you, to the book of Mark. Uh, if you have a device or a glowing screen that has these sacred words, I encourage you to point them to Mark chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 29 this morning as we begin. Verse 29. Um, and, and go, go from there. Uh, if, you're, if you're able this morning, would you stand with me out of reverence for the, for the word of God as we read from verse 29 uh, through verse 39 this morning. I'll be reading from um, the Common English Bible translation. Verse 29. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus, James, and John went home with Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, sick with a fever, and they told Jesus about her at once. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she served them. That evening at sunset, people brought to Jesus those who were sick or demon-possessed. The whole town gathered near the door. He healed many who were sick with all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons. But he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. Simon and those with him tracked him down. When they found him, they told, they told him, everyone's looking for you. He replied, let's head in the other direction <laughs> to the nearby villages so that I can preach there too, for that's why I've come. He traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and throwing out demons. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So we continue our journey through Mark this morning, um, and we're, we're taking the long road through Mark. I'm just, I'm warning you, we've been in Mark chapter 1 for several weeks. Uh, we're taking the long journey through Mark, which is, which is fabulous. I love uh, the opportunity to do this. Um, first of all, one, one of the main advantages is we're going to get to know this author. 
the, the person who penned the, the gospel of Mark is going to become familiar with us. We're going to understand uh, him probably in a new way by the time uh, Dave gets done teaching all the way through this. It's going to be fabulous. You're going to hear uh, themes. You're going to hear uh, things repeat over and over. You're going to get a sense of what the author of Mark uh, is really trying to do. Um, I, I also just recently have been reading through uh, this book by N.T. Wright that, that talks about how uh, in, in the church today, sometimes we have a way of, of muting the Gospels when it comes to the story of salvation. And I think the Gospels are rich with, with ideas and rich with um, dirty, messy stories of life on life. Um, and as we go through the gospel together in Mark, we're not going to, to miss any of that. Uh, I love stories that talk about um, Jesus um, with people right next to the people who need him most and the people who are searching him out. Uh, I want to just take a little bit of time, in case you weren't here um, last week, to remind you what's just happened in the previous verses. Um, Jesus was in the synagogue. He came to the synagogue in the town of Capernaum. And he was invited to speak there. So he's speaking in front of, the, in front of those that had gathered to worship that morning. Uh, and all of a sudden, somebody stands up in the back and starts accusing him and yelling. We don't expect that this morning. Uh, but you never know. Uh, uh, but stands up and, and starts yelling, yelling at Jesus and, and, and speaking at him. Uh, we come to find out that it's a person who has a demon, and the demon's speaking through him and talking to Jesus. And Jesus' silence come out of him, and the man is freed from the demon. And the people are just, they're amazed. And we talked, we talked uh, last week, Dave talked about how uh, Jesus spoke with just a surprising authority, not only to the demon, but to the people who were gathered to listen, opened up scripture uh, in a surprising and authoritative way. So right after that, right after that setting, we see Jesus go home uh, to the home of Simon and Andrew's house, along with James and John, and that's where we pick up the story today. There's a problem when he arrives, okay? Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, this is one of the very few times in Scripture where we see anything about the families of any of Jesus' disciples, but from this we ascertain or we figure out that Peter was probably married. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Okay, and upon finding her sick, we have this, this healing pattern that's established. We're going to see this in Mark as we go through Mark. There's a setting that's described. We know the setting. It's the house of Simon and Andrew and his mom's there. There's the sick person there. The need is described. She has a fever. Fever has overtaken her. Um, and then one of God's agents shows up. In this case, it's Jesus. Sometimes it's disciples. But God's agent shows up. And, and heals the person that's sick, rectifies the problem, figures it out, makes it better. And then what happens? They eat. <laughs> I think they might have been Nazarene. I'm not sure. Um, a lot of times in, in healing narratives, a lot of times when someone's freed from a demon or, or, or made well, the first response has, involves food which is an interesting thing, but doesn't it speak? Have you ever woken up after being sick and you get that nice long rest? You wake up and you're hungry. <laughs> like, okay, what's in the house? It doesn't matter, I'm gonna eat it, okay? Um, it's this evidence 
of a body restored. It's evidence that the, the sick has been made well. And, and that's, that's the story. Here, here it talks about how um, Peter's mother-in-law served the group. They had just come back from synagogue, and she got up and, and, and served the group as they came back. Well, it appears in this story that Jesus was tailed. I don't know if you watch like spy movies or like espionage, but somebody figured out where Jesus was headed and then told the whole town, right? Because they have their meal and the sun goes down. Um, If they were worshiping at synagogue, that means it was Sabbath and they had gathered there. Well, the townspeople are good Jewish folk and they say, well, we can't do anything during Sabbath, but as soon as the sun goes down, that's when Sabbath ended. So the whole town shows up right at sundown at Simon and Andrew's door saying, where's Jesus? (laughs) Uh, I got this neighbor and I think he might be demon possessed. I need you to do a number on, no, I don't know that they did that, but they brought their loved ones, those that were sick, those that needed attention. They, They came to Simon and Andrew's house filled with expectation. It's, it's, it's interesting that um, the whole town observes Sabbath very well, very rigidly, and the one who was healed got up and started preparing a meal and started serving them. Interesting peeks into the way that Jesus is going to reframe Sabbath and reframe what's most important following the law or the heart of the law. But these people, they show up at sundown. There's a whole nother sermon there, but I don't want to get distracted because I'm only supposed to preach one sermon per Sunday. So Um, They show up at the door. Jesus starts healing the sick. People are made whole. People are restored. Those with demon possession are cast out. And here again, in the span of 11 verses, we see Jesus saying, demon, you can come out, but you don't get to talk about me. You don't get to talk about me. It says, I'll read it so I don't mess it up. Uh, Verse 20, 34, excuse me. He healed many who were sick and all kinds of diseases, and he threw out many demons, but he didn't let the demons speak because they recognized him. Um, We get this idea in the Gospel of Mark of what's called the Messianic secret. Have you heard of that before? Um, Jesus seems compelled for some reason in the book of Mark, and we'll get to that reason. Dave will take us there. I know he will. Uh, of what, what this messianic secret is, is for. Jesus has a purpose. He says, you don't get to speak. You don't get to tell people who I am. We're going we're gonna to save that for a later date. And, and he seems, I mean, people who get healed, people who get, get, get made whole and restored, and Jesus says, Go and tell no one. Go offer yourself in front of the priest, but tell no one what's happened. He doesn't let the demon speak. He says, be quiet about that. Shh. And there's a point to that, and we'll get to that. But you're going to see that as we, as we travel through the, the gospel of, of Mark. Well, at the end of this big day, Jesus is getting weary, right? So they retire. They go to sleep. They're hanging out in the house, and it says well before the sun comes up. I don't know how long the sun is down in Jerusalem. I've never been there. I suppose it's typical to how long the sun is down here. But the whole town shows up at Simon and Andrew's door. There's lots to do. And it says Jesus healed many of them. And Jesus was up well before sunrise. And it says he went out to a deserted place 
an isolated place, a place where there was nobody else, and he began to pray. It's interesting. This is one of the few points in the Gospel of Mark that talk about prayer. Um, in the Gospel of John, we have the high priestly prayer, a beautiful prayer in the, in the book of Luke. We're gonna, you see more episodes where Jesus goes off to pray. This is one of the few ones about Jesus' prayer. Um, and, and, and he goes off to pray and to connect to the Father. And the disciples find him there. <laughs> the disciples show up, say, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute, there's people, that, they, they came back. <laughs> the sun went down, we healed a bunch, they went home, and they've come back. People are, people are looking for you. Come on back, there's a big crowd waiting. Um, Gary Chapman, uh, sorry, Gary Charles um, writes, a, writes a commentary that talks about how the translation, the English translation of what the disciples said is a, is a little soft. It's a little, it's a little gentler than, than, what, than what the original text describes. They were prodding him. Come on, Jesus, there's people back here. Come on, let's go back to the town. And Jesus says, let's go. <laughs> let's go the other direction. He says, he, let's head in the other direction to other nearby villages so that I can preach, preach there too. Uh, one of the commentators said, this is really like a, a movie trailer, this first chapter of Mark. We have the introduction of Jesus right at the very beginning, um, and we have um, John the Baptist kind of announcing who's here and what's he going to do, and then Jesus is baptized, and then he's tempted, um, and then there's this statement of message. Jesus declares what his purpose is, what his message is to the world. He goes to Capernaum, he starts teaching, and then there's some healing and the crowds form. And Jesus says, I'm out of here. <laughs> Mic drop. And, and, I'm, and I'm gone. And I leave. Um, and he runs from the crowd. And this introduces the gospel of Mark. We're going to see some of these themes repeated over and over and over again as we go through the book of Mark. And this little snippet of scripture is a good introduction to um, where we're going in the, in the gospel of, of Mark. You see, I, I think today what, what we need to talk about in the gospel of Mark is, is missed opportunity. Jesus missed a huge opportunity here. The crowds had formed. The disciples knew it. Do you remember what, what Jesus had said about what the disciples were going to do when they followed him? They're going to become fishers of people. Yes. They're going to become fishers of people. Where's that found? Verse 17. We're all in the same chapter here. So verse 17. Come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. We're fishers of people, Jesus. And guess what? We were just back at the house and there's people. It's like they're jumping in the boat. They're jumping in the boat, Jesus. Come on. They're here. They're ready. They want to see you. You get to share your message. You get to heal them. And Jesus says, yeah, let's go the other direction. That's not what I'm about. That's not, what I, that, that, that's not where we're going to go today. They had seen the power. They were, they were captivated by what happened. Luckily, in, t in our day and age, uh, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. Luckily, we're not obsessed with, no one's obsessed with attention or fame or getting noticed these days. 
Luckily, we don't do that. Uh, you know, there's no forms of communication where we can obsess about how many people will reaffirm our belief or agree with us, or maybe like say, push a button and like what we like and say, wow, that's deep and profound. We don't have to deal with that. The disciples had to, we don't have to. Of course that's wrong. The disciples were like, everyone's looking at you. They, they saw your Instagram post and they're reposting it. Come on, let's go back. Let's cash in on this. Let's do it again. We got all caught up in it. <laughs> um, surprisingly, I built my own sermon illustration this week. Um, <laughs> it's always fun and funny when I do that. It's a little humbling at the same time. Um, this week, I, was, I saw something on, on Twitter. I don't know if you have, we have many Twitter users here, but I saw something on Twitter that was written by a famous person that writes Bible studies, and she's very well known. And I, rep- I responded, and I kind of said, read what you wrote. This is kind of what I thought. And within 30 seconds, she had replied to me. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> She responded to me. So, and, and she said, yeah, I agree with you. I, I want to agree with you, but kind of push back a little bit. And, so I, and, and then I followed up with another couple of messages. Well, there's this little annoying thing on Twitter that like shows you how many people have like interacted with what you did. And like for a day, I was like, wow, look at all the people. Like people are, they didn't like what I said, but they were liking what she said. And I was connected to what she said. So... I was, 13,000 people saw what I had written according to this silly little website that somebody created. And I got past that day, and my number didn't rise much after that. (laughs) And I thought, what am I talking about on Sunday? That these disciples got all caught up. Because the crowd had formed, the crowd was there. People were jumping in the boat saying, where's the fishermen? We want to be caught. In their minds, they understood this is a huge missed opportunity. Because Jesus was popular. Jesus had caught their attention. And the disciples believed Jesus was missing out on a huge opportunity. But what did Jesus do? I believe... Jesus was an introvert. (laughs) An introvert Jesus went to a deserted, isolated place to go and pray and to reorient himself and to say, Father, be with me. Help me understand this. Help me understand what's going on. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? Because there's this big crowd here and my my disciples, they're going to be excited about that. What do we do? Where do we go from here? Help me out. I need to connect with, <laughs> with the God that this song describes. I want to sit at your feet. Drink from the cup in your hand. I want to lay back against you and breathe. And feel your heart beat. When's the last time you felt another's heartbeat or God's heartbeat this love is so deep it's more than I can stand I melt in your peace it's overwhelming I think that's what Jesus did 
He said, I got to go back. I got all caught up in this. I'm going to leave before the sun, well before the sun goes up and find a deserted, isolated place. We don't know anything about this prayer. It's not recorded for us. We don't know what Jesus said. We don't know the questions that he asked. What was he praying? We don't know. Certainly it wasn't, Lord, help my team win a big football game this afternoon. <laughs> it probably wasn't, Lord, teach me more about you, but you and I are one, so teach me more about me, or I don't know, I just get all confused. I don't know what, what the content of the prayer was, but certainly we get a picture of what the context of the prayer was about, what's going on. That there's this crowd, and he's become popular, and good things have begun to happen in his ministry. This is the very start of the gospel. This is the first time that someone's healed. Someone exercised of a demon, someone healed. And then the whole town responds and says, give me some of that. That looks pretty good. I want some. And we understand, we don't know the content of the prayer. We understand the context of the prayer. And we see the result of the prayer. Jesus says, let's go another direction. For there are many villages here and my message must get out to all the places. Let's go in another direction. I think sometimes we miss opportunities when we're obsessed with the popular, when we're obsessed with the crowd. Something works for us. Something works really well for us. We get excited about it. I think we do this with things of faith as well. Something is very effective. Something works for us. Something draws us close to God. And we have trouble letting that go sometimes. And we say, I want to camp out here. Certainly the, the disciples do it, right? Uh, it, if, you, if you want to, you can flip over real quick to Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus goes up on a hill with three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts glowing. We don't understand this, but Jesus is glowing. And there's two more people there. It says Elijah shows up and Moses shows up, characters from the Old Testament. And they're, they're all three there. And, and Peter who used to be named Simon, whose house they went over to, who was very much involved in this whole thing. He's the one that spoke to Jesus and said, come on back, we gotta go back to the crowds. Peter's like, wow, Jesus, you're glowing, this is cool. I see Elijah, I said, let's do this. Let's build three tents and, and let's, let's, let's set this up, let's preserve this, this is really cool. They can hang out a while. Let's break bread together. Let's talk, let's share. I want to hear about these Old Testament writings. What was it like to be there? <laughs> and Jesus is like, oh, Peter. <laughs> oh, Peter, let, let's, let's, not, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Uh, and, and what does he say? Let's keep this to ourselves. Peter, James, and John, this was really amazing. This was really wonderful. But let's keep this to ourselves. Later on in chapter 9, um, <laughs> they're still getting it wrong. First, they want to build shelters for these three. Later in chapter 9, they'll be arguing about who's, who's considered the greatest. Which of the disciples is the greatest? Who's the, the disciple MVP? Who's going to make it? I don't know. I think it's me. Later in chapter 10, uh, James and John are, are, 
are negotiating for seating rights in the kingdom of God. Can I sit on your right and like my brother can sit on your left and it'll be really cool. Let's do it, Jesus, okay? It's the same issue. It's the same issue that they're caught up in the things of the world, the way the world works, this worldly economy of popularity and attention and fame. I don't think the disciples had bad intentions. <laughs> I don't think they were trying to dissuade Jesus from accomplishing what he came to do, from speaking his message and caring for the people. I think they had very good intentions. I think they were compelled to respond to the need that they saw. They all came back to the house and saying, we need more Jesus. And that's not a bad thing. I don't mean to be critical of the disciples. That's a healthy desire in my, in my book. But, but Mark is going to show us that Jesus stays deeply connected to the Father. The Jesus that stays deeply connected to the Father isn't obsessed with the crowd, isn't obsessed about what the people think, for he has a greater opinion that matters more, the opinion of the Father. And instead of running to the crowd and instead of, of worrying about what they say, the Jesus who's deeply connected to the Father runs away from the crowd. And I propose this morning that those two realities are deeply connected. I believe that the deep-centeredness of Jesus in God allowed him to discern it was time to move on. That the, that the popularity and the attention was about the splash. It was about the wow factor. It was about the, oh, I can't believe what I just saw. Let's do that again. And somewhere in that, the message of what Jesus came to say had been lost. They wanted the wow and had lost the message. And Jesus says, there's other towns and other villages. Let's go. Because there's people that I love there as well. And although it was good and although it was popular and getting attention and people were coming, Jesus said, it's time to move on and it's time to keep going. We have to share this message. It's why I'm here. And they turn and they go to a new place. I have to ask today, what are the distractions today that, that make me miss out on the opportunities which are in front of me? It becomes very clear in the passage that we read that it was not Jesus who was missing out on the opportunities, but it was the disciples that needed the correction. What are my distractions? And I ask you to consider, what are your distractions? And I don't think there's a more fitting way to quiet our hearts like Jesus did, to go to a deserted place together than at the table of communion this morning. I'm going to ask you to go to a deserted, isolated place while you're sitting in a room with a bunch of people to consider for you what are the distractions, what are the things that catch your attention and potentially might keep you from going to the new place that God has for you. Uh, as, as we share, I, I just want to encourage you to consider 
your life and to consider the things that capture your attention and capture capture what you're focused on outside of where God might be leading you. Um, In our church, as we practice communion, we invite anyone who has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives to participate. If you have that desire today, to listen not to the crowd, not to what the world is saying, not what everybody gets all hyped up about, but instead to listen to the voice of God when he says, let's go the other direction. If you have that desire, I invite you this morning to participate in communion with us. If you say, Jesus, I want to follow you, you're welcome to receive the bread and the juice and the grace offered at the table this morning.